Welcome to this latest edition of The Real Deal Podcast on this 3rd of September, 2019. I'm your host, The Real Deal Quinn, discussing the world of sports and pop culture. This podcast is sponsored by Randy's Soul Cuisine, Soul and Spirit Cuisine, 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 excuse me. Um, I don't buy just anybody's food. I don't taste just anybody's food. I'm a very picky eater. Um, later on in this podcast, I'll explain to you how that can go wrong. But I can vouch for one, Randy Harper and his uh, soul cuisine. There was I had the chicken wing, I had the fried chicken wings, with the side mac and cheese and some greens, and you know it was it was delicious. Loved it. Recommend it to you and yours. Uh, certainly worth the money that I the money. Um, and listen, there's nothing like good food. It's not like good food. Um, Randy, good friend of mine, doing this thing out here. Um, again, Randy's Soul and Spirit Cuisine. Uh, you can check out. I'll post. I'll post the link up or post this page up on my uh, on my Instagram so you can check it out. Um, again, recommended. Excellent food. Uh, that is our that is our sponsor for this for this edition of the Real Deal Podcast. U.S. Open action tonight. Um, Federer and Serena Williams will both be in action. Serena's actually playing right as we speak. She's up. She was up last time I checked. Six-one uh, and one-one love. Um, listen, there've been a lot of big players knocked out of uh, of this tournament, and it seems right now it's looking like Serena's, Federer's, and they'd all's tournament to lose, and we might. We might just get a finally get that Nate All Feder U.S. Open final that uh, that has eluded us throughout the course of those two guys' legendary careers. They have never met at the U.S. Open, let alone in the final. If they were to meet in this U.S. Open, it would actually happen in the final. Feder is seeking another major. Nate All, of course, seeking the inch closer to Roger Feder. Right now, Feder is at twenty. Is at twenty. Nate all is at 18. Uh, I'm, you know, bad, tough break for Novak Djokovic. Uh, no, just listen, I, I, I love Djokovic. Djokovic always was not a likable tennis player over the course of his career. He had times where he would pout. He had times where he physically would break down. You would question, you would question his heart. He really has turned it around. Again, right now, just I, I feel like the third greatest tennis player, third or fourth greatest tennis player of all time. Unfortunately, he couldn't finish the tournament. Lost to Waranka, who, who's always dangerous, and Waranka ended up ended up uh, getting picked off, uh, getting picked off the round after. Um, but uh, tough break for him with the shoulder injury. But it opens it up for the likes of uh, Roger Federer and also Rafael Nadal. Federer was scheduled to meet Djokovic in the semifinal, so it really opens up the draw for, for Federer. Federer has been playing great. Got off to a shaky start in the first two rounds. Um, the first two rounds, dropping the set, opening the set in both those rounds. But ever since that, he's been rolling. He just destroyed Goffkin, Goffkin, um, a couple of days ago on uh, Sunday. I believe it was on Sunday, Tuesday. It was on Sunday where he just, you know, absolutely manhandled him. It seems like he's back on his game. Nate All has been. Nate All probably was the one of the odds-on favors after after Djokovic. A close. Close, very close second. He's been rolling. I don't believe they all. They all maybe has dropped one set or two sets in this tournament, but it really has been in control. So you got, you know, you got some juice with the U.S. Open, uh, despite you know no Coco, 
no uh, Osaka, still have Serena, Federer, and Nadal, three legends. And hopefully, you can hopefully those three will be in the finals come this weekend. Of course, we are just two days. We are just two days shy, two nights shy of the NFL season opening, the hundredth season of the NFL, the hundredth season of NFL football. Will, will open at Chicago Soldier Field with the Bears hosting their longtime rivals, the Green Bay Backers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to play. Um, I, there's no question about that uh, that he'll play. I know he's had some issues. They've held him out for preseason. Really, no, you know, at this stage of his career, there's no reason to play him in the preseason. A lot of these teams are just that's that is the that is a protest that teams are doing against the NFL. They're just holding guys out especially the quarterbacks just out of the entire preseason for the most part. So, and a lot of these players are, a lot of these starters, especially these main players are just not playing. So that is one, that's something to look for in the future, whether or not, you know, how that impacts the league on cutting down these preseason games, preseason games. Because we all know what the league wants to do. The league wants to say, hey, we'll take two games off the preseason if we can add two games to the regular season. So that's what, that's what, that would be a, the dream scenario for the league. They won't. They don't care about shaving off two games of the regular season of the preseason if they can add two games of the uh, preseason to the uh, to the regular season. They wanted. They want in the worst way an 18-game season. Ezekiel Elliott, Elliott is, expect, is expected to sign a contract very soon. It could happen before the night is over. I mean, it can, it can definitely happen at any time now that he will uh, sign a contract. Uh, now, listen. Some of these numbers that have been floating around. Um, six years, between six years, ninety million dollars. Um, I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna tell you right now. Uh, Serena won six one six love. I'm sure most of you have been watching that. Know that. Uh, know that right now. Know that. But just in case for any of my listening audience who are who are watching my podcast live on uh, my YouTube channel, Serena of course six one six love. So she be moving on to the semifinals and again. This would be one of her best chances to win uh, major number uh, 24. She um, played well, uh, had, got nicked up a little bit, but right now seems to be on top of her game. So we'll see if she can finally close the deal for another uh, major at the age of what, 38, 37, 38, which would be just remarkable, even for somebody uh, who has accomplished as much as she uh, has over the course of her legendary iconic career. Um, in regards to the NFL, Ezekiel Elliott was, is expected to sign any day now. It could happen before tonight ends. Some of the numbers have floated, been floating around for six years, $90 million, $15 million a year, which would make him the highest paid um, running back in the game. $90 million will be would exceed Adrian Peterson's contract that he signed back in 2011. He signed a six-year, $86 million uh, $86 million deal. Adrian Peterson is the only running back in NFL history to make over $100 million in terms of total salary. Um, listen, I think the Cowboys are just completely jumping the gun here uh, with Elliott. They have all the leverage. He has two years remaining on his deal, number one. And number two, you haven't signed, you have not signed your quarterback. So to me, I, I don't understand how Dak Prescott is not the number one priority for the Dallas Cowboys uh, for signing for, for the Dallas Cowboys in terms of who they should sign. I, I mean, to me, it would be Prescott. I would even go Amari Cooper, 
before I went to Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott, I've seen DeMarco Murray behind that offensive line run for over 1,800 yards. I've seen that. I've seen that moving. So, again, I, again, I don't – if you want to make him the highest paid running back in the league, by all means do it. We know how franchises can become creative with the cap. Um, those numbers, again, I would have to see the total – contract in terms of the, the key money the key number is guaranteed money the signing bonus and, and total guaranteed money that's a key number you know not even the years not even the 90 million total to guarantee we i have to see that's why i don't necessarily um don't want to get too jump the gun too much on this contract we know how info contracts work you have to really look at the fine uh at the uh fine detail and really break down those numbers in terms of total total money guaranteed and signing bonus. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with that. But I think it's a mistake that the Cowboys are prioritizing Ezekiel Elliott over Dak Prescott. I just think that's just a mistake considering that again, Prescott's deal is up after this year. Ezekiel Elliott has two years left on this deal. And you know, you think about how many nine how many non quarterbacks over the last decade have really impacted winning and losing in the NFL. I mean, it's really, you can really name about five or six. Like Joe Thomas is an all-time great, uh, all-time great offensive lineman on Cleveland. I mean, how many years, how many playoff games did, did he play in with Cleveland? Maybe, uh, I don't think he played in any. If, if he may have played in one. I think back in 02, that year in 02, where Cleveland uh, made the playoffs and lost uh, um, lost his wild game to um, to Pittsburgh when Tommy Maddox was quarterbacking in the 02 season. And that was a long time ago. I mean, you're talking like 2002 season, 2002 or 2003 season. He might play one playoff game. Again, this guy was an all-time great at his position. I mean, you look again, nine quarterbacks who have had an impact on the game in terms of winning and losing. Aaron Donald, you can put on that list. Von Miller, you can put on that list. Darrell Beavis in his in his prime, you can put on that list. Over the last decade, maybe, you know, towards the end of maybe that was the latter part of, of, of Chan Bailey's uh prime, two thousand ten ish, oh nine, two thousand ten. That list is very short of non-quarterbacks who have impacted winning and losing in this side. And again, the Cowboys are going to treat uh, Ezekiel Elliott like he's one of, one of those guys. He's not one of those guys. He's not. A lot of moves in the NFL, in particular by the Houston uh, Texans, uh, they trade Javadian uh, Clowney for a third-round pick and two players. Uh, Miami, Clowney goes to Seattle. Miami also, they also trade trade for Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills. Now, Kenny Stills. Now, they give up two first-round picks and a second-round pick. And it will affect their draft over the course of 2020-2021. I have no problem with Miami's doing. You want to call Miami, say Miami's tanking? Fine. They're tanking. Like, they have no dead. Like, they... Either you are trying to win it, either you're trying to win, or or you're trying to or you're rebuilding. 
There's no in between in any. There's, there's no in between in sports, especially the NFL, when you don't have a quarterback. So they're clearly playing for 2020, 2021, which is fine. Stack these picks. They get they can get Tuga Tuga Valuva possibly maybe even Trevor Lawrence in 2021, depending where um, depending if they don't get Tuga uh, Tuga Valuva next year. But I love what Miami's doing. I have no problem with my what Miami's doing. Houston, on the other hand, is coming off a team that just that is desperate and just throwing darts at this point. Um, you're giving up those amount of assets. Um, again, I don't have a problem with I like I think they probably should have got could at least got a second round pick for Javadian Clowney. Like I maybe try to get a first, but at least a second. I think a guy twenty six years old who still has a lot left in the tank and to me can be a top player at his position. It can be a a, a all pro caliber player is worth more than a than a third round pick and two average players. He's worth more than that. But to me, I think they, it, was a, it was a situation where they just wanted to get him out, wanted to get him out of the building. They knew that, you know, just weren't willing to pay what uh, market value, which is fine if you're going to get some, uh, if you're going to get some good picks for him. That was not enough to get for him. Laramie Tunsil, they've said, is a top five player at his position. Okay. Kenny Stills, pretty good receiver. Not great by any, by any stretch of imagination. Not a, to me, not a difference maker. But decent receiver. Uh, you want to say slightly above average? Okay. Slightly, but maybe, maybe slightly above average. But again, when you make moves where you give up multiple draft picks, you're telling me we're going to be in the Super We're going to be a contender for the Super Bowl next year. This is not a Super Bowl contender. Even with no Andrew Luck in the division, they're not a Super Bowl contender in the AFC. Okay. And I, again, I look at the team. I think they'll be somewhere between seven and nine and nine and seven. They'll be right in that middle, fighting for a playoff spot. Maybe they can win the division. Maybe. I wouldn't be surprised if they won that division. That division now that Indianapolis is out of the mix. Um, I don't have any confidence that Jacoby Brissett is gonna be able to adequately fill the shoes of one Andrew Luck. So let's say that division is up for grabs. You know, you still have New England. Kansas City, they're not on that level of those two teams. I don't think they're as good as Pittsburgh. I haven't. I don't think they're as good as San Diego, even with even with some of the injuries that San Diego has right now. Um. I, I again, you make moves like this, you're telling me we we're going to the Super Bowl next year, or we're going, or we're we're taking our chances to be a Super Bowl contender, to where this puts us in a position where we can contend for the Super Bowl. Toronto in the NBA made a move to trade away an all-star. They got back a superstar in return. They won a championship. Even if they wouldn't have won a championship, it was worth the risk. Even if it was worth him, even if, even if he was going to leave, which he turned out, which of course Kawhi Leonard turned out to turned out to uh, to do. That is a calculated risk that you take ten out of ten times. This this risk right here, this the risk that the Houston Texans are taking. To me, when you start giving up assets and draft picks, draft picks are, are, are more valuable in the NFL than in any other sport because a, a draft pick, yeah, you can have a first round, a second round pick can immediately turn around your franchise if it's the right pick. So they have no capital or assets moving forward to add to their team or to or to re, or to build or fill up spots that they need that that they need holes that will have holes in coming you know come. 2020, 
And again, you make a move like this, to me, it's like Super Bowl or bust. Super Bowl or bust. Uh, this was a desperate, a desperate move that, to me, smelt of just pure panic. And again, I again, out of the three teams that were involved with these deals, um, I think Seattle, Seattle won because they got the best player. Um, I I completely understand what Miami is doing. They got all the assets, and to me, by far and away, Houston is last. Because they gave away assets, and these players coming, incoming, these incoming players don't put them over the top as far as competing for an AFC championship. Melvin Gordon has basically threatened to hold out um, if he doesn't get a new contract. San Diego is like, okay, we're good. We'll get our other two running backs ready, and for and you know, get going for the season. Um, these running, listen, what you have to understand about these running backs is they, you know, a Melvin Gordon, a Le'Veon Bell, they see that the money, they see what type of money that the other players are getting, quarterbacks, wide receivers, and they take the majority out of, the, out of all the offensive players in terms of skill position players, they take the most pounding. Um, I look at Melvin Gordon for his career. I see very good player. I don't see a game-changing player. I don't see a guy who I would even come close to paying uh, Ezekiel or Elliott or, you know, Ty Gurley or even David Johnson type money to Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon has had one Pro Bowl, All-Pro Cowboy year in his, in, his, in his entire career. His entire career. He's entering, what, his fifth year. He already has, he already has been, he's, always, he's already been nicked up. Has some injury issues. I'm not giving that guy, uh, you know, a king's ransom uh, of cash. All right, so I have no, what San Diego's doing, I have absolutely no problem with right now. They have other players. Um, they have other other needs. Um, Melvin Gordon, again, is a very good player. But am I breaking the bank for Melvin Gordon based off one year of, of, of production? No. I mean, I mean, what San Diego's going to do, if they can get the right move, for, get the right deal for them, they'll move him, but they're not going to force a deal. Um, they'll negotiate at the end of the season. If he chooses not to go back, not to go sign with him, they'll just draft the running back. It's just that simple. I mean, it's, it's, that's pretty much it. I mean, there's a formula in the NFL in terms of dealing with running backs. You draft the running back out of college, you get three or four or five, three or four Fresh years out of that guy from ages, let's say from ages 21 to 25 or 22 to 26, and then and then you move on to the next to the next running back, who either off the, either off the free agent market, who's bounced around, you know, veteran, or you just draft another running back. You don't pay running backs. I don't care who they are. You don't pay them. You know, like I'm not giving a running back. I'm not paying a running back. Le'Veon Bell money. I'm not paying a running back Ty Gurley money. I'm not paying a running back what uh, what Ezekiel is going to get. Those days are done in the NFL, or they should be done. They really like this is just not going to happen. It, it, it's too. It's, it's a position that could, could just be easily replaced. I'm giving money to my obviously to the quarterback, the offensive line, pass rushers, safeties, corners. 
those are positions you pay for. That you that you pay boot that you pay boot money to. Running back does not fall into that category at all. So I think that um, San Diego is taking the way that you know it's taking it's taking the way that Dallas. Uh, the, it's taking, it's doing what Dallas should be doing. They're not going to, again, they are not going to give, Melvin Gordon will not be a San Diego Charger uh, unless he swallows his pride and suits up. They will not, San Diego Chargers is not, is not going to give Melvin Gordon a, a new deal this year. Now, if he's willing, now, and I doubt that if he sits out the entire year that they will, that, you know, he'll just become an outright uh, just become an outright free agent. I don't think they'll. I don't even think that they will franchise him. To be honest with you. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, as far as the college football goes, um, you know, a, a whole home week of college football, weekend of college football. Um, not impressed with no. I wasn't impressed with Notre Dame at all last night. I mean, Louisville had a, a good, you know, a billion, you know, billion turnovers. They couldn't. Put, they couldn't, you know. Could not hold on to the football. Had five or six fumbles. Um, you know, Notre Dame did what they had to do. Ran the ball well. I think Notre Dame is. I don't think Notre Dame was a playoff team this year. I think they'll lose. They'll lose at least two games before they get to. Before we get to that point, I definitely think they don't lose to Georgia, and another game outside of that. Um, another game outside of that. I definitely think Georgia is going to be a loss. But I wasn't impressed with Notre Dame at all. Uh, Jalen Hurts put on a show against Houston, uh, a bad Houston defense, by the way. Let's keep that in mind. But let's, you know, a lot of question marks have been going on about Jalen Hurts and, you know, fitting in that offense and he had the arm strength or he had the arm talent. Remember Jalen Hurts got recruited, who, who Jalen Hurts was recruited by. He was 26-2 and two at Alabama, played in a couple of championships, you know, was responsible for Alabama when Tuga Valula got hurt last year in terms of winning the SEC championship over Georgia. Let's not forget about that. Uh, this guy is a was built to play college football with the athleticism, uh, some of the throws that he can make. Now again, I'm not saying I'm not saying that Jalen Hurts is a is a, is a guy who will play at the next level will be a franchise guy. He'll get drafted. You know, he'll be one of those guys that get drafted. Uh, you know, he's a fourth or fifth round pick uh, in the NFL. But he, I mean, he'll play in the league. But uh, I, there's no question to me if you surround him with the amount of skilled players that uh, that Alabama or that Oklahoma has. Oklahoma gets great offensive linemen. They get great receivers, great running backs. Lincoln Riley, of course, is a tremendous college offensive mind. And there was no question that they were going to be able to put, they are going to put some points on the board that he was going to fit into their system or, you know, or have his skill set or, or, you know, have his skill set, you know, um, accelerated by one Lincoln Riley. All right. It just, I mean, the guy, again, the guy was recruited by Alabama. That should tell you all you need to know. And it just so happens it's not what he didn't do at Alabama. It's just the fact that the guy who he, who beat him out in Tuga is, will be the number one pick in the draft this year in 2020. Guy that beat him out is great. Tuga <laughs> Tuga Luba is, is is going to be a is going to be projected to be a franchise caliber NFL quarterback. He's going to be the number one pick. So it wasn't about Jalen Hurts. What Jalen Hurts did not do it was about that the other guy was just that much better. Just like Kelly Bryant, who's now with um, 
think he's with Missouri now. Or uh, I think he's with Missouri. Kelly Bryant played well at played well for Clemson. Trevor Lawrence is a generational talent. The generational talent. There's no question about it. So, you know, sometimes the other guy, sometimes the other guy is better, and you know, those guys chose to move on, chose to transfer, and those guys, both the both Bryant and Hurts, will will have major, will have great years um, moving forward. Moving forward uh, this year, I expect them both to put up big, uh, big numbers. Uh, Hurts will have Oklahoma in the conversation for a playoff berth, uh, without question. A um, couple big matchups coming up this uh, Saturday uh, in regards to uh, in regards to college football. You know, you have LSU. You know, you have Texas. Um, you, have a, you have a great double LSU and Texas. We have Texas A&M at Clemson. You already hear Texas A&M running their mouth, which you know is not the smartest thing. So you'll have a great doubleheader. Um, as a Florida State fan, I, I just don't know what to say right now in terms of where that program is at. Uh, they are roughly a program that, that if you if you rooted for Florida State. And I have been moved to Florida State for anywhere well over 20 years, maybe probably even longer. There's no way that that team, with still top recruits, they've had great, they've had top recruiting classes. Even you know last year, you want to say they were 11th. This year, this year they were 11th. One year, 21st. The previous year they was like like fourth. Well, there's talent on that team. There's no question about it. There's, there's talent on that team. Uh, they allow a freshman quarterback to come in and throw all over them, and especially in the second half. They blow an 18-point lead. They were up 31-13 at one point at home. There were thousands upon thousands of empty seats in that building, in Doe Campbell Stadium, Bobby, Bow, Bobby Bowen Field, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it is an embarrassment to that program, that once proud program that at one point, at one time, was the, you know, the cream, you know, the cream of the crop of college football. I mean, we, we can talk about when Bobby Bowden was there. He had the consecutive top five streak. Or even Jimbo Fisher had a stretch where they were like fifty nine and nine, made the playoffs a couple times, or, or a number of uh, ten win seasons, were lead, you know, running the ACC before Clemson ascended. Uh, where that program right now is is a complete embarrassment, and, and there's no right now. Uh, I think really, you know. They suffer another losing season. I think Taggart's going to lose his job. Um, don't tell me you can't win at that pro with, with that program. You're talking about Florida. You're talking about one of the great recruiting bases, one of the great areas to recruit college football in the country. If you recruit the state alone, that's you should get. You will get top. You will be one of. Uh, you should. You should be a top 15, top 10 team year in year out, just on recruiting alone. So. Right now, that program is is, is a disaster. Uh, again, there's no end in sight as far as turning it around. Taggart is not going like it's not going to happen with Taggart. It's just not. Uh, so I see him getting fired at the at the end of this year. Uh, they'll have another losing season, and then again, that is to me is still a top job. Now, Fisher Jimbo Fisher took a boatload of money from Texas A&M. They also had complaints. He also was crying out, you know, walking out the door about facilities. 
You can't. You cannot play right now. They are with the ACC network. There's no way. There's no way in the world that you can have someone that you that that facilities should be in in question at Florida State. It's just it just should, that should not be a question. They should have the best of the best in terms of facilities. They are with the ACC. They are with the ACC network now. That should not be in question whatsoever. Again, now, again, that was one of the complaints of why Jimbo Fisher left. Now, again, it it was about the money that Texas A&M gave him that Florida State was not going to give him. Let's be honest about that. And plus, Jimbo Fisher had won a championship at Florida State, so there was nothing left for him to do. So I understand why he left. I have no problem with Jimbo Fisher leaving to go to Texas A&M. Texas A&M, you know, this the SEC talking about recruiting the state of Texas. They Texas A&M will be. I think a playoff contender this year. Um, seeing, looking forward to seeing what they do against Clemson at at Death Valley. But I have, I have zero problem with Jimbo Fisher leaving. But Florida State should not be in this current predicament. There's no way they should be like unranked and just hard, just difficult to watch. Speaking of difficult to watch, um, the second episode of Power maybe was slightly better than the first. The first was just god awful. Right now, it's on pace through the first two episodes to be the worst. This is on pace to be the worst season of power by far, by far. Um, now, see episode three. Dre is supposed to be coming. Dre is supposed to be in the mix. It seems like you're gonna get a little action. You know, I think Fifty Cent direct Fifty Cent directed this episode, so we'll see. You know, we'll see if this if if, if Dre's you know performance or if Dre's uh, appearance can spark up, um, can add some, just a shot of adrenaline to, to, to power right now. Right now, just, uh, it, it's been, it's been terrible. Again, this is coming from somebody who has defended power to no end, called it, you know, the get the greatest guilty pleasure show of all time. One of the best summer shows I've ever seen. Um, again, putting aside the big, you know, a show like Breaking Bad, even Mad Men, I'm not even, count those shows, but in terms of just pure entertainment, you know, pure guilty pleasure TV, television watching, right now it has been just, it's been, it's been terrible, it's been a bad two episodes, that's all there is to it, I, ca- I cannot defend this show right now, I just can't defend it, um, I don't even want to get into the plot lines, because frankly, they're all over the place, it is all over the place, I mean, you know, I want to get into, you know, Tyreek with his hustle. You know, what, you know, what Kanan left, you know, Kanan, he's turning into Kanan and Ghost at the same time. But again, the Tommy Ghost Tasha thing is just, eh, uh, I don't know. I, just, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Ghost. Somebody made a point, and I agree with them. It seems like they're going to force Ghost. To become a ghost again, like he's gonna get painted into a corner to where he's gonna have to go back to drug dealing. He's gonna have to go back to just being this cold-blooded, calculated, three moves ahead killer. So the nightclub owner, um, the whole you know the whole this you know Jason Pitt and Ghost and Tommy using both Ghost and Tommy. I I don't yeah. You know, I, it's just not. I, they still. I'm telling you, they miss Kanan. <laughs> I 
They miss, they absolutely miss Canaan. There's no ways about it. They miss Canaan, and they miss a they miss a bad guy like a Lobos. They miss Lobos. I mean, even Milan. Milan was okay as a villain, but they Lobos was probably the best villain on the show throughout the first throughout the throughout the six seasons. So there's certain characters that they just have not been able to replace. I don't think they've been able to replace Holly, to be honest with you, adequately. I mean, Lala's a horrible actor, actress. Um, the Rashad Tate character does fascinate me. I will admit, I'm, there's more to Rashad Tate than just a dirty politician. There's something with, I just think he had some neighborhood ties that we're not, you know, preview to right now, preview to right now. The one thing I've heard, and don't buy this for a second, if you think that they're going to, if you think that, that that Tyreek is going to be leading the show after the 15 episodes, yeah, your mind. There's no way in the world that they're, they're that they're going to kill Ghost and Tyreek. Michael Rainey Jr. is going to be the lead of Power Book Two. It's just not going to happen. Ghost is what James Gandolfini was in Sopranos. Uh, you know, Brian Cranston was in Breaking Bad. The show does not the show does not move without. Without Omari Harwick, ghost. It is not. It is, they don't have a show. He is the center of of the show. There's no, they, they will not do a. They will. There's no power without that character. So um, I can see Tyreek making it through the season and making it to this, the spinoff that's coming up. That's supposed to take place 48 hours after the last episode, episode 15, which is going to be somewhere. Which is going to be probably in January or February 2020. But there's no way that that uh, Michael Rainey Jr. is going to lead the spinoff. This is not going to happen. He may be a part of it, but he's not going to be he's not going to be the uh, central character of that. So, uh, you know, a lot of people there are people that are thinking that uh, Omar that they're going to kill Ghost. They're not going to kill Ghost before the spinoff. That's just not going to happen at all. They may kill Tommy before the spinoff. They may kill Tasha before the spinoff. They're not going to kill the character of Ghost. This, this show is centered around that character. Arillo's rant for the week. I know there's been a couple podcasts, a couple episodes since I had Arillo's rant, but this one just stood out. Um, I'm sure you've heard it. A British team has lost a lot of his vision and part of his hearing due to a diet of fish, excuse me, of chips and fries. I'm going to repeat it. I'm repeat that. A teenager, a British teenager, has lost part of his, has lost a lot of it, most of his vision and part of his hearing, and have had trouble hearing because of a constant diet of fish, excuse me, of fries and chips. Apparently, he's refused to eat certain foods, foods with certain textures. Um, this is where... This is a pure example to me of child abuse and child neglect. I already know what type of parent he has. He has a type of parent that allows him to make all of his choices. He has a type of parent that wants to be his friend. I already know. I already know what type of parent he has. He, you know, he has a parent that probably was coming in when he was in second grade and probably wiping his mouth after snack time. That's the type of parent he probably has. And when you are that type of parent, this is what happens. This guy, 
this teen, this guy is like a teenager, 16, 17 years old, can barely see and has trouble hearing because of the diet, because of his diet. That's how bad his diet is. Now we know kids, you know, teenagers can basically eat anything they want to a certain extent with the fast food. But you gotta mix in a couple couple vegetables and a couple of home cooked meals with that. Maybe not McDonald's every five nights a week. Maybe you wanna do the McDonald's or the, the fast food two nights a week. Maybe two nights a week. Three at the most, but two two is to me that baseline. Two and two is two is where I started getting you start getting concerned once it goes gets beyond that. Maybe you wanna throw in a couple of home cooked meals. Maybe. I mean, Postmates, and I mean, there you can order Uber. You know, Uber Eats has some healthy has some healthy meals you can order. So you, know, you have you have meal preps that are healthy. But again, this is what happens when you have a parent that allows a kid to make all of their choices, or is trying to be uh, is trying to be that kid's or that that child's friend. I already know I don't have to be in the household to know what's going on. I don't. So again, hopefully, again, this is going to take. I don't know what it's going to have to happen. Have to happen for this kid to get his vision back. Uh, besides, obviously, besides a change of diet, I don't know. It might even be too late. Like it might be. It might be too late. This guy might. This kid might be shot for life behind this. But you have to be eating at an all-time high in terms. Of, you have to be. You have to be one of the worst eaters in the world to lose your sight. Behind your diet, I mean that that has to be. I mean that has to be some horrible eating. Again, it starts with the parents. It starts with the parents. It's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. As always, this podcast will be streaming live on the YouTube channel. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Apple.itunes.com. Real Deal Podcast. We'll be also on Blog Talk Radio in a couple of hours uh, once uh, once this podcast is stopped streaming. Season, this is The Real Deal Podcast, Season 12. Surreal Gerald Quinn. I'm out.